From the team at CTS, this is the Train Ride Podcast, our show for endurance athletes who want to learn how to train more effectively and improve their performance. I'm Coach Adam Pulford, your host for the cycling edition of the show, where it's my job to interview top coaches, scientists, experts, and athletes in the world of cycling to bring you actionable training tips that you can apply to your own training. Now, let's dive into the show and learn how you can train right. This episode of the Train Right Podcast is brought to you by Stages Cycling, the industry leader in accurate, reliable, and proven power meters and training devices. Stages Cycling offers the widest range of power meter makes and models to fit any bike, any drivetrain, and any rider. They're all manufactured in their Boulder, Colorado facility, and they've expanded their offerings to include the Stages Dash line of innovative and intuitive GPS cycling computers covering a full range of training and workout-specific features to make your workouts go as smooth as possible. And now Stages is applying its decade of indoor cycling studio expertise with the new Stages Bike Smart Trainer. Check it all out at www.stagescycling.com. Most of our episodes cover training concepts, fueling strategies, and shared athlete experiences that are geared toward helping you, our listeners, develop your full potential as an athlete. Occasionally, I've woven in a specific product like the new Zip Wheels or Super Sapiens CGM technology, and that I weave it into the show because I think that it'll benefit you along your journey. Today is one of those shows. We'll talk about a new product I've been testing myself, and I've had a few athletes testing along the way as we gather data inputs, and what I've been seeing is some really cool, interesting, and curious results. Before we get into all of it, let me first share a story with you to frame this up properly, and I'll also make a little disclosure as well. So when I went down to BWR Asheville, which you've heard in that previous Super Sapiens episode, uh, riding with Bobby, I saw a tent with a product that I hadn't seen before. And because I go to a lot of events and I've been doing this for over 15 years, um, I didn't know the product and, and I was like, oh, interesting. And I struck up a conversation with the woman working the tent. We talked about the science and everything that she was saying made a lot of sense. I was like, okay, this is a smart person and, and this is an interesting product. However, she was making some really bold claims. And the product was a derivative of beetroot. And because I'm a huge fan of beetroot, I, I was like, well, let, let's give this a shot. And so they weren't giving out any freebies, which I respected. And I said, sure, I'll buy some, thinking that it probably won't do too much. But uh, I really liked the conversation and I was curious because if, if some of these bold claims are true, great. I want to experience this for myself. And if this can help my athletes, um, e even better. So of course I took the product on the day of the race and, and throughout the race, uh, just like a good coach would tell you not to do. Okay. Uh, don't try anything new on race day if you've ever heard that before, but my rationale was because it's a beat product and I have enough beat flowing through me on that day and on a fairly regular basis that it wouldn't be anything, uh, foreign or overly new to me. So I went for it at the race. I was feeling great. I hit a lot of peak powers that day. And in, uh, you know, in the current, uh, training time period as well. So 
I trained pretty hard and, and I tapered well for that event. I mean, I actually did my, my homework, right? I was motivated for it. I was fresh going into it and I had a good day. So I kind of wrote off some of these performance aspects of the product because there was multiple things going on, but I was still curious. So I had this bottle of product and, and that I paid full retail for, and I kept on testing it on group rides and races and hard interval days and long aerobic rides as well. All to say that I kept on having good results so long as I was sleeping well and showed up, you know, to the bike fresh and, and ready to go. My curiosity led me to reaching out to the company to learn more about this stuff, just for my own understanding. And that led me to the here and now, this episode. And I should make the disclosure now to say that since then, when I re did reach out and get more information, they have sent me uh, some free product. And so I kept on testing it. But the thing is, is, you know, I tried this product before, you know, paying full retail and I, I kept, and I have now had some athletes on it as well. And I just, we keep on getting some pretty cool results. So over the past three months, uh, you know, with further discussions that we've had. And then I, I reached out to Corey, our marketing director at CTS, who helps to produce the show because I wanted to make sure that doing a, an episode like this was, was uh, legit and, and kind of inbounds and all this kind of stuff. So even though this company, Sir, is not a sponsor of CTS or, or even a sponsor of myself or anything like that, um, it's just a very curious uh, product. And my intent here is to not give a giant advertisement, but hopefully equip you all here listening with some new information about future products that could be coming out in this space that could be tools in the chest of your training to reach your top performance for improving health and wellness and the, really the pursuit of happiness. Because really, these things are all what we're striving for in our pursuit of increasing performance in our sport as well as being healthy over the long run. So that's my, uh, that's my intro. That's my disclosure, but, uh, you know, thank you for listening to me ramble a, a bit more than usual before an episode. So let's just get right into the show. So our guest today is Jeff Van Drunen. Jeff, can you tell our listeners a bit more about yourself? I sure can. Thank you. So my name is Jeff Van Drunen. Thanks for the invite to the podcast today. Yeah, uh, I'm the president of Sur Phyto Performance, as well as some supporting companies, one called Van Drunen Farms and one called Future Suticals. Uh, describing myself, it's maybe best summed up as I'm part horticulturist with roots in agriculture. Uh, part engineer and scientist, and also a serious cycling enthusiast. Well, we like all those on this show, for sure. Well, that's and uh, and just kind of off uh, off interview thus far is getting to know Jeff a little bit more, and he's he he can tell uh, the stories is a pretty interesting guy. And as you heard in our intro. I've got a storied tale of one of your products, Jeff, and we'll talk about that more in detail, but let's first learn more about your company, its vision, and some of the history of it. So can you tell us what Sur is, what Van Drunen Farms is, and kind of more of what you're doing on a daily basis? Yeah. 
Vandernan Farms was our start as a family agricultural business. So I started in the business right out of college, and we're located in Moments, Illinois, which is about 40 miles straight south of Chicago. And here in Moments, we grow and process conventional and organic fruits, vegetables, and culinary herbs on our farms here. And uh, we harvest every day during the season, and then we freeze or freeze-dry these ingredients to be used in items you'd find in the grocery store, on the grocery store shelves. So you might have seen like a cereal with dried strawberries or blueberries, raspberries. Those might be some products that we produced here in our facilities or or possibly tried uh, a pasta sauce or a pesto or a uh, Mexican salsa that might contain our basil or cilantro. So, yeah, we really got our start in the food ingredient business, and we're still still doing that today. Okay. Well, just out of curiosity, I mean, how how would I know that the strawberries are coming from your your farms? What what other companies have you partnered with to do this? Yeah. Well, you farms? wouldn't know which brands contain our fruit, okay. but a lot of the brands that you'll see on the grocery store shelves do contain our dried fruit. Yeah. So interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So how did you spin off and get into phyto performance or? Yeah. So Vindrudin Farms was the start. And then in the late nineties, we saw an opportunity to provide higher quality, uh, basically dried fruit and vegetable ingredients to the dietary supplement industry. And at that time it was kind of the age of herbals. So people were into St. John's Ward and Echinacea. But right about that time, people were getting more and more knowledge about phytochemicals, especially from fruits and vegetables. And we had this very unique way to dry things with our freeze drying process, which is a way to preserve 100% of the phytonutrients in a product. So for example, we even uh, dry probiotics or living bacteria. Mm -hmm. And if you dry bacteria, in a freeze dryer, they're they're still alive. All you do is add water to them and they come right back to life. And so we had a great drying system and great raw materials. And so we started a new company called Futureceuticals and started to provide a very high quality plant material concentrates and extracts standardized to specific phytonutrients or plant phytochemicals. So since those days in the in the late 90s, we've expanded to be kind of a premier ingredient inventor, discoverer for the dietary supplement industry. So that that's how we shifted from being a commodity agricultural based business to more of a, uh, you know, discovery and manufacturer of dietary supplement ingredients. And from there, Serve Phyto Performance was born out of this Futureceuticals uh, dietary supplement ingredient venture. That's that's interesting, and that, thanks for p- providing that 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 background. I think it's I think it's important for where we're going. Um, but just out of curiosity, why? So you're all organic and all plant based. Is that correct? Well, we do organic and conventional growing okay. on our own farms, and we do supply organic and conventional products. But yes, we are certified organic in all of our production facilities and processes. Okay. But in in why plant-based? So that's a that's a great question. And you know, nature provides this treasure trove of powerful phytochemicals 
that in a lot of cases remain today undiscovered. And so the number of plant phytochemicals out there is just incredible. And all these natural compounds have some specific purpose in the plant. And many have an additional specific benefit for human biological systems. But the list is so long and the time and energy needed to uh, even crack the chest is, is pretty substantial. But it, it's really an endless world to be discovered when you consider natural compounds found in plants and what positive effects they might have on human health. And everybody has a clue, hey, eating plants is good. But specifically, when you get down to the you know, specific phytochemicals, we're really in the business of uh, isolating those and trying to do the work to discover what are they going to do? What are they going to affect in a biological system? And it's just fascinating. Hmm. Yeah, that is fascinating. And, I, and I, you know, my my criticisms here as well is because of, you know, phytochemicals and what we're talking about, you know, my peers and even some listeners may come in and be like, whoa, this is a little, little wonky, a little out there, Adam. This is <laughs> a little different than what you usually talk about. Um, it's, but like, like you said, it's a treasure trove and we're learning. I mean, daily we're, we're learning yearly. So can you speak to maybe how you have, gone about discovering the treasure trove and, and what kind of motivates you to get into this, this future pseudicals, so to speak, like what drives you to, to do this? Well, yeah, what drives us to do this is that we've seen, uh, in the studies that we've done, we have a discovery research center. And one of the things that we can do is today with very sophisticated, uh, testing equipment, you know, a person can take a food product and we can look at in real time changes in gene expression, every blood target, target and marker, changes in cytokine, chemokine panels, inflammation, you name it. So, you know, if we, um, for example, give somebody a regular Coke and we start to monitor what changes happen in their body, 15, 30 45 minutes an hour after they consume a regular Coke. It's pretty profound <laughs> what we can discover about, you know, the good and bad in uh, consuming a regular Coca-Cola. And, uh, but we can do the same thing with plants, whole plants, and with plant extracts or concentrates that are highly concentrated in specific phytochemicals. So the beauty of this is that, um, you know, people might think, hey, you know, spinach is good for you, but, but, and it is good for you. It's filled with all kinds of nutritious things. But specifically, if you did an extract of a plant and then you administered that to a person and you could see what effects it has in real time after they consume it, um, you can get a lot of clues on what should happen if you actually studied this in a clinical setting, whether it's you know, reducing cholesterol or whether it's helping maintain blood glucose or whether it's helping with uh, specific markers of performance uh, by being able to look at this, you know, real time in an acute setting, uh, we can get very predictive and get a lot of clues on what these phytochemicals might actually do in the human body if we studied it on a larger population. And so we're kind of in this discovery research mode where we're looking at plant materials to find out which ones really have some interesting effects on humans. 
Yeah, that is that is super cool. So I'm 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 learning along with the listeners here. Um, so uh, you know, I'm going to be enlightened as we go, and <clears throat> you know, where we're going is is uh, we're going to talk about uh, beta leans and your product called Alt Red, which is it derived from beetroot. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a big fan of beetroot, as you know. And I'm a huge fanboy of Andy Beetroot Jones, which you've you've met and consulted with, right? Yes, I have. I have. Well, I am. I'm. Uh, I'm very. I have FOMO for, for, from that meeting, and, and hopefully he'll come on the podcast, <laughs> and we'll talk about uh, some of this too. But before we get into Alt Red and Beta Leans and what what that actually does, I want to provide a, a quick overview of kind of what I know of this. And then we'll talk about like very specifically about what beta leans are and, and kind of this uh, treasure trove of, of uh, performance, if you will. So um, just to remind the listeners is when we're talking about a beetroot supplement, um, and, and Jeff, please correct me if I'm wrong here, but high level beetroot contains nitrates and dietary nitrate converts to nitric oxide in the body, which can promote vasodilation and increase uh, oxygen to the working muscles. This can decrease perceived effort for a given effort pace or power, or it can also increase performance in various ways, just like those markers I talked about, um, it, it, all linked toward cardiovascular benefits. And that obviously is advantageous to the endurance athlete. Uh, high level, am I tracking correctly there, Jeff? It's true. All the scientific studies on the consumption of beet juice and its effect on performance are exactly as you've just outlined. Okay. And so, you know, like you said, these points are well established. There are, you know, criticisms of beetroot and, and where the beets are coming from, how you're taking it, what you're doing. Uh, one thing that always blows people's mind is, you know, a lot of it is con started to convert in the mouth. So the, the bacteria in the mouth, as well as the gut helps to convert that into nitric oxide. And in, at some point we'll maybe have, maybe when we talk about, uh, or to Andy Jones, we can talk specifics on that. But from my understanding, beta leans are not nitrates. And there's something different going on here in this treasure trove of red pigmented stuff, right? That's true. And so, yeah, yeah all the scientific studies that you've referenced are, are there. And, you know, since beta lanes don't contain any nitrates or alt red beta lanes don't contain any nitrates, you know, one question, you know, are the effects of beets uh, due just to the presence of plant nitrates? Or is there something else in the beet that adds on to this effect or is part of the effect? It's very interesting to contemplate because when you look at the information from our studies, um, you, you have to ask that question. You do. You do. And I'm going to ask you that question but that, later on in this conversation. First, for our listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, can you tell us what Alt-Red is and what the heck beta -lines are? Sure. Cool. So first, what beta lanes are not. So the, just the term beta lane gets a little confusing because there's some similar uh, named compounds out there. So they're not plant nitrates. So this has nothing to do with plant nitrates and beets. It's not beta alanine. It's not betaine from beets. It's very specific phytochemical compound uh, that's found in just a few places in nature. So it's the pigment in beets. And this pigment is a different pigment than what you'd find in 
you know, blueberries and raspberries and strawberries. It's found really just in beets, a few cactus plants and a few flowers. So it's very rare in nature. So you would think, oh, the red color in beets, that must be everywhere. But no, it, it's not. And um, interesting. it's just in a handful of plants that you'll find this uh, substance. And, and is it is it only in red beets or is it in like yellow beets as well or so there's a red group of betalanes called beta cyanins and okay. there's a yellow group of betalanes called beta xanthins and both are found in beets so when you see a beet and you see the red color you're only seeing the red color but the yellow color is there side by side with it it's just that the red color is drowning out the yellow color and you might see for example a yellow beet in the grocery store that's just a beet bread not to have any beta cyanins, only beta xanthins. And so a, a regular red beet is 50% red and 50% yellow. It's just that you can't see the yellow. Well, my mind is already blown. This is fantastic. Um, so what's, I, I take it in all red, we're just talking about the, the red pigments? Or does that have both? Oh, it's both. So this is actually a concentration of all the beta lanes, all the beta xanthins and all the beta cyanins in the beet. And so we have both red and yellow color in the alt-red beta lanes. But when you look at it, it looks red because, yeah, the red overpowers the yellow. Okay. So we talked about what beta lanes are not. We're starting to describe what they are. So why, like, why does it make our bodies go better? And, and go harder, which we'll talk about that performance aspect, but why have there been curiosities of performance in these betaline pigment colors? Yeah, this is where it starts to get interesting. So we noticed that nobody had done any work on betalanes. So it was just like a white space out there in the scientific community. And we spent a lot of time trying to figure out, well, how can we actually extract or concentrate these betalanes? Because it hadn't been done before. And at the same time, it was well known that beta lanes aren't very stable. And so, you know, if you expose beta lanes to a low pH or, or extremely high pH, they start to break down easily. So they're a little bit fragile when you subject them to heat. You know, for example, like just the process to make a canned beet or a beet juice, the beta lanes are damaged very easily in that process. You, the beet juice or the Canned beets will still look red because it's a pretty powerful pigment, but they're actually damaged and a lot of them just are gone uh, by the time, you know, for example, a can of beets, they're, they're pretty heavily destroyed. But we're the first company and we spent years doing this, figuring out a process to extract and stabilize the beta lanes from red beets. And that was really the starting point of us being able to study the bi biological effects of the beta lanes in the human body. So it, it really started with a process to be able to extract and stabilize these beta lanes because, because that had never been done before. So what made you like, what was the, the point at which you made a decision that, Hey, it's, it's not just beats. It is something else. What made you go all in on beta lanes? So we developed this process and we were able to produce our first few grams of the betalane extract, start to characterize that from uh, taking a look at what spectrum of betalanes were in there, because it's not just one betalane, it's a spectrum of different red and yellow betalanes mm -hmm. in the beet. 
And um, we also noticed that as soon as the betalanes were separated from the sugars, the fiber, and the plant material and, and dried and extracted the way that we uh, put the process together, that at that point in the dry form, they were very stable. And so we realized that we had something kind of special because for the first time we could take a pure concentrated betalane material and take a look at what this stuff really can do in people. And that was, that was a big step forward. And so we really just put it through our discovery research platform. Uh, and that's where the journey began. Interesting. So you mentioned, and this was something that I was learning in my research here, um, is the, uh, the, the fragility of betalines from the processing, either it's exposure to light, exposure to oxygen, heat, this type of thing. With what you just described of your extract, extraction process mm-hmm. and you claiming that they are very stable in that form, how have you, and we're probably skipping ahead here a little bit, but is it stable in that form and in a pill form that you have, or what other like considerations have you taken to, to make sure that it is stable from when it leaves your facility to where, you know, like it comes down? Yeah. So when we produced the product, I mean, initially we started doing shelf life tests on the product in a capsule in the same bottle that we're using today. And then there's accelerated shelf life tests that you can do where you expose it to a high heat and high humidity um, to accelerate what would happen in real time. But since we've been working on this project for 12 years now, um, we've had plenty of time to do real time shelf life tests. And so in, in, you know, 48 months, we don't see a substantial degradation in the betalane content. Um, so, I mean, a 24-month shelf life is the product's perfectly stable. Now, as soon, that's in the dry form in a capsule. As soon as you would take that, for example, if you took the capsule and put it in water, uh, it was, becomes very unstable. So if you were going to put this into a water bottle, you know, you should probably drink the water bottle in an hour. Um and it's yeah. it, the beta lanes will be destroyed probably by the next morning. So they start to degrade very fast in a liquid uh, solution. And th- we have done some work, you know, looking at stability and gels and that kind of thing. But the color is so intense. If you take a, a beta lane gel, you know, your mouth uh, will look <laughs> a little bit scary. <laughs> your color pigment is very powerful. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I won't do that. Won't do that. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to get into, well, let's kind of like swing back a little high level because it is it is all about this performance, right? That, that's why you created the product. And that's why we're talking about here on this podcast. It, we've got some research that we will go a little bit deeper into, but in general, you're making athletes faster by by using this, this product. Now, what makes alt different alt red different than some other products out there in terms of like the beta leans that you're using or yeah. how much it's in there or what's the difference well as we were talking about we figured out how to concentrate this and we actually came up with a product that's a 25 percent uh beta lane pure concentration stripped it's beta lanes that are stripped of sugars nitrates beet fibers so basically we have a, a process where we can just grab the beta lanes out of the beets and they're outside of the normal matrix that you'd find them 
in in the in the beet plant or in a beet juice. And just to explain it a little more, uh, when we started this project again, there was very little scientific interest in betalanes and and beets for that matter. This was even before really the first clinical studies came out on on beet juice. And right when we started this project, that's when everybody got interested in beets, which was which was interesting. Mm-hmm. But we had indications from our early studies that you know these betalanes were very active in biological systems, and we thought possibly this was another you know, phytochemical hidden in plain sight. So we started to put some work into it. And then we had, uh, when we produced this first material at 25%, this would be the equivalent of a 200 times concentration. So it would take, you know, 200 pounds of beets to make one pound of our 25% material. So it's pretty highly concentrated material. And then another thing that, you know, we had studied quite a bit on was the fact that betalanes were very poorly bioavailable. So it's hard for the body to absorb betalanes. What do you mean by bioavailable? So um, you could you can consume a product that contains any kind of plant polyphenol or phytochemical. But that doesn't mean that, I mean, you might have heard stories about, you know, you can take too many vitamins but that doesn't mean your body's going to absorb all the vitamins yeah, that you consume. Exactly. Uh, they're not really bioavailable. It'll your body will take in a few of them, but anything over that, you know, you're basically just going to pee them out. So, um, bioavailability is really how much of a product that you take orally into your system is then actually going to get, in this case, into your blood. So, um, if it just goes into your stomach and then you excrete it somehow, you can consume a product, but that doesn't mean that it's actually going to be available for use in your body. Those are two totally different things. And so what we did is we knew that there was this issue with betalanes and we confirmed that once we separate the betalanes from this native plant matrix, um, the bioavailability, the ability of people to absorb the betalanes increased dramatically. And so it was about a 10x increase in the amount of betalanes that's absorbed into the body. So we did some bioavailability studies, which basically means you give a person beet juice or whole beets or uh, the alt-red betalane extract, and then you look at what percentage of the betalanes they consumed actually shows up in the blood. So we can actually take a sample of people's blood, measure the betalane content in their blood. And in the studies we did, it's about a 10x factor as far as how much betalane is absorbed. Once it's separated and concentrated from the plant matrix, they become very bioavailable. So, you know, one of the things we, we kind of talk about is it's derived from beets, but it's it's difficult to get from beets, the actual betalane. Uh, molecule. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense um, on the bioavailability, especially when you're stripping it down and, and l- allowing the body to just purely absorb with a, and getting rid of that, the rest of that stuff. Um, so do we still see some people who maybe can't metabolize just pure betalines or is, is everybody just going to have a, a response to this? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, they estimate about 14% of the population has beturia, meaning B12 
the inability to metabolize and process uh, beta lanes. And so there are certain people. And beets, right? Yeah, and beets. So there are certain people, if they eat beets, you know, it shoots right through them and they're peeing a stream of red, which is, again, very frightening. When you see that, you're wondering what's going wrong. And yeah, it's estimated about 14% of the population has this. Sometimes it's due to having a low low iron levels. So that's it can be an indication that you're low on iron, but uh, not always. And it, the interesting thing is that with the beta lane product, I mean, it's extremely rare that we have anyone who would report Beturia. There may have been a few over the years who've uh, experienced it. Um, and I don't know if they were taking the product alongside with some other beet product, but it appears that at the dosage that we're giving and with the bioavailability of these beta lanes, we don't see Beturia from anyone. So it's another indication that something's changed as far as the body's ability you know, to assimilate this material. Yeah, that's, that is really interesting Uh, because I do know some athletes and it's even happened to myself um, with bacteria. Is that how you say it? Bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Where I have experienced that with already, I have not and other beet products that I'm currently taking. I I haven't either. So either either I'm not the 14% or, or uh, the bioavailability is just so high. (laughs) Hard to say. Yeah. Hard to say, hard to say. Um, so kind of bring it back here. So our, our listeners don't get lost with us in our nerdy scientific stuff that we're talking about. What effects are we really purporting here with betalines? Like if you take it, what can an athlete expect? Okay. So I could tell you what we know about betalines and what we've learned from our studies on betalines maybe first, and then we can go into what we've actually found in our clinicals. Um, yeah. Let's start there, and then we'll we'll just kind of yeah. from there. So, you know, earlier, Adam, you talked about nitric oxide and the cardio benefits of nitric oxide increases. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, there's two methods by which uh, beta-lanes work, two main methods. I'll, I'll call it nitric oxide is one pathway. And the other pathway would be oxidative stress as the two main mechanisms that betalanes can affect performance and recovery. And the interesting thing is that our bodies are able to produce their own nitric oxide. So we don't, you know, our bodies are very efficient at making nitric oxide. Um, the interesting thing about the betalane consumption is that it stimulates our body to produce more nitric oxide, um, but in a very unique way. And so, you know, one aspect of beets is the dietary nitrates, but this product doesn't contain any nitrates and it still stimulates your body to produce its own nitric oxide. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, I mean, we've spent a lot of time working on this. It turns out that beta lanes stimulate production of a stable form of nitric oxide called nitrosylated hemoglobin. And so hemoglobin normally picks up two oxygens and circulates Mm -hmm. those through, and that's the oxygen your your muscles actually need to, you know. That's interesting. But but with um, nitrosylated hemoglobin, this is when a few of your hemoglobins will pick up a nitric oxide. 
instead of an oxygen. So they'll have one oxygen and one nitric oxide attached to it. And it turns out that these betalanes stimulate the production of this nitrosylated hemoglobin. And it takes about an hour or two after you consume the product for your nitrosylated hemoglobin level to go up. And the other interesting thing is, you know, your body's making nitric oxide all the time, uh, but nitric oxide in the body has a very short half-life. It's less than a second free nitric oxide and it's gone. So it makes it and consumes it immediately. But in this complex form with hemoglobin, the half-life of this nitrosylated hemoglobin is up to six hours. So, I mean, it's very long life nitric oxide attached to hemoglobin that's circulating through your body kind of as a signaling mechanism uh, to deliver vasodilation to a place where it's needed. Um, that's the mechanism by which this nitrosylated hemoglobin works. So, yeah, that is, yeah, keep going. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt the flow. So your body can actually produce its own nitrosylated hemoglobin, and it does that. Everybody's body can do it. It does it all the time, but it won't do it unless it's due to some localized decrease in, in mus muscle oxygen saturation. So when you get into a hypoxic uh, state, hmm. your body is going to start to produce its own nitric oxide, and a lot of this will be in the form of nitrosylated hemoglobin. So for example, you know, if you're doing a hard effort, you're mm -hmm. obviously going to have muscles that the oxygen level starts to drip down on, and your body's going to start to react to that and try to counteract that by increasing dilation to those muscles that are starved for oxygen. And the way it does this is through nitrosylated hemoglobin. But it takes some time, and you have to get into this hypoxic state before it's going to do that. Yep. And that's actually well well cited in Andy Jones's research. I'll see if... I'll try to find the one that I was reading and listening to this um, this past weekend, but that's exactly what he's talking about in terms of there needs to be, you know, um, basically enough anaerobic stress in order to make that occur within the body. But it seems like kind of coming back to um, betalines, they're able to kind of be that catalyst in a more stable way. Is that what you're telling yeah. me? Yeah. So if let's say that you go into uh, an exercise or an effort, um, and you're actually preloaded with nitrosylated hemoglobin. That's really what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. uh, before you perform, I mean, that's going to have a dramatic effect on your performance because yeah. it's almost like your body's primed or pre preloaded for the exercise that hasn't happened yet. And so as soon as you go into that low oxygen state, this uh, nitrosylated hemoglobin signaling mechanism is going to kick right into action. And so, you know, that's a big part of how this works. And we know that, you know, it takes about an hour or two to kind of peak with your nitrosylated hemoglobin after you consume alt red, which is what we look at. And this is a very stable form of nitric oxide. So it's easy to measure um, from the standpoint, you know, it doesn't disappear. So a lot of times on the study, they have a little bit of a harder time on the studies where they're looking at nitric oxide from nitrates because basically you're consuming nitrates, but then what they're actually checking for your in your blood is nitrates. And so they're not directly measuring uh, nitric oxide 
they're measuring nitrates after you consume nitrates. So it's a little bit tricky to understand, you know, how much nitric oxide was actually produced. But in this case, we can actually measure it because this is a stable form of nitric oxide, if that makes any sense. And uh, takes about two hours, one to two hours, and then it's going to drop off over the next three to four hours. And so it peaks in at the two hour mark and then it starts to tail off over the next four hours, the level of, of nitric or nitrosylated hemoglobin that that's produced by your body. And this is um, what we call endogenous production. So it's just stimulating mm -hmm. your body to make something it can make on its own. Yeah, that's fascinating. And we'll, we'll talk about how to use this product here in, in just a minute. But, you know, with your description of nitros nitrosylated hemoglobin spiking and being uh, basically um, you're setting the stage for some very good performance to happen. I mean, you guys make some pretty bold claims. Do you want to talk about those claims from uh, some of the clinical research and basically what I grabbed off off your guys' website? Sure, sure. Okay. Happy to do that. So, yeah, I mean, some of the highlights from our studies, we've completed three clinical studies on actual athletes doing athletic performance. We have other studies mm -hmm. uh, where it's not in a performance setting. But, um, yeah, some of the highlights, you know, for cyclists, you know, the average increase in wattage uh, alt-red versus non-alt-red is about three and a half percent on average. Um, runners. Like, like in a time trial format or? Time trial format. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Runners, same thing, time trial format, like a 10K all-out time trial, pretty much 3% faster across the board. Another interesting thing is that when you're they're putting out more watts in, in a cyclist setting or more speed, for a runner, um, doing a, a survey of the group, they all felt like they had less exertion. So there's a 15% reduction in perceived exertion by the people that were participating in these studies, which is pretty shocking. So they're actually putting out more, but they're not, they're not feeling like their body is suffering as much, which is an interesting observation. It's a very interesting observation, a very important uh, aspect to note. I was just looking up the the cycling study, and it was a thirty minute time trial. Yeah, um, in particular. Yeah, but yeah, in in reading the these three um, research articles, the the perceived effort was notable in all of them. Um, in in conjunction with the actual increase of performance, the perceived effort always coming down. So. Um, Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So that was a very interesting observation. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, if you're putting out more work, you, mm -hmm. you shouldn't feel like you're putting out less work. <laughs> Precisely. That's why I bring it up. Yeah. And uh, another interesting thing is that, you know, we saw a 9% reduction in markers of muscle damage. So as your muscles are damaged, which in a lot of situations can be a good thing, it can be a good thing and a bad thing. Right. But, uh, there was a reduction in muscle damage and that muscle damage is products released from the muscle cells um, when they're damaged. So we can measure that. And then there was also 14% less lactate production in the alt red group versus the control group, uh, effectively, you know, increasing your 
lactate threshold. And again, when we talk about muscle damage and lactate threshold, lactic acid production, lactic acid production could be good. Muscle damage right. could be good. But in this case, you're doing it um, at a higher level. So um, it it is kind of a tool to allow your body to perform at a higher level um, without getting to the point where you hit that lactic acid threshold or your muscles start to get damaged. So it, it's very interesting results that um, we found in these studies. It, it is interesting. And, and I'm glad you brought up the point that it's like, okay, it, you know, it is interesting. There's a time and place for this because that's exactly where my mind goes. Cause it's like, eh, I don't always want that. Right. right. And so I think this will transition into how do we take this? But I'm guessing you would agree with me that if I go out on a, I don't know, a two hours zone two endurance ride, I, I don't necessarily need to pop a bunch of alt red before I go do that. Is that correct? That's correct. You don't necessarily need to do that. Okay. Um, so how, how would you suggest taking this? Like what, what are the key days where we would take alt red and, um, kind of, kind of pre during and, and post if it applies, what do you recommend? Yeah. So, you know, one of the questions that people have often is, you know, do I have to load with this stuff? Do I have to take it for a week? So we've noticed that in all these um, studies and just with people um, that take it for the first time, that many of the people notice the effect the very first time they take it. So if they take it one to two hours before an uh, event, not preloading uh, previous to that, um, they actually report, hey, I felt a lot better. I rode a lot stronger. And so the preloading isn't, you know, necessary um, at all. So you'll feel it the first time you take it if you're a responder to this. That being said, you know, a lot of people use Alt-Red as a training tool uh, in their daily training to help with daily performance and recovery. Again, it depends where you're at and what you're trying to accomplish. But you know, a tool to make incremental gains over time is another way that some people use it. So they want to push themselves uh, in their training program, both their training and their recovery program, to kind of push a little harder on those hard training days, recover a little better. So kind of push their body past the limit that they would normally be able to get to and then back off and recover, do the same thing on some kind of cadence. So it, it really depends on, you know, what kind of program you are, what your goals are, and what you're trying to accomplish. But it can be taken just on the day of an event, and you'll definitely feel the effects if you're a responder to beta lanes. Or um, you can use it on a daily basis as far as your daily, you know, training and recovery. So it's really very athlete-specific on how you might want to use it. But I, I view it as a tool and you have to decide how you want to use the the tools in your toolbox, you know. Yeah, uh, very much so. Agreed. And actually, the one of the previous episodes I did, we were we were talking about this event that I did uh, down in Asheville. It was a BWR event, and um, I rode with uh, one of the guys at Super Sapiens, and so we had a great day of riding bikes. But I and I just felt great the entire time, and I had taken the alt red. And was going, 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 but the very, the very final eight mile climb. And, and again, sorry, listeners for you to hear this story yet again, but I did like explode 
because like I hadn't, um, so I had taken alt red, like I had, think I'd taken one before and then like one during, we're talking like a five hour event. Yeah. And when you do more mechanical work than you've ever done before, that's still a very high stress to the body. And when you're somebody like me who maybe like skips out on their volume from time to time, <laughs> I, I just couldn't handle all that load on the day. So I just started to go way backwards on the final hill climb. <laughs> so it's not like this stuff makes you impervious, but and this can even happen. I've seen this happen to my athletes in a, in a really good taper or if they come down from altitude, you know, at some point there's these checks and balances mechanically for your body not to, <laughs> you, you know, uh, do too much. Right. So, in, in, you know, in that particular case is the reason why I bring it up is even though you may have another cool tool in the tool chest here with alt red, you still have physiological limits. Everybody does. does. Yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. So we're not, we're not over promising here. Uh, however, uh, I think the bottle says take one like an hour before and then one every one to two hours during exercise. If you want the effect, is that correct? If you're going to go on a longer training period or a com competitive event, um, you can take, you know, up to three or four of them during a four or five hour ordeal, like the Belgian waffle ride. And, uh, it will, you, you will feel the effects, but normally on a normal day, people will take it, you know, an hour or two before their workout and yep. then save this extra dose until you're actually going to do a longer effort. And, um, that's, yeah, and that's what I do personally. Okay. And, and I would, I'll pose the question to you and I'll, and I'll actually, I'll bring this up because I asked this to Jackie, um, some, uh, the, the original person I met through, uh, sir, um, who's an ultra runner, but I asked her, is there any detriment to long-term use or just taking a bunch of it? And she said that she did a, an ultra, I think she ran for 12 hours, uh, total. And then she did one every one to two hours, you know, no issue, but uh, speaking to the, the master here, I mean, any, any detriment to long-term use or overusing? Well, the one nice thing is it's a natural product and, uh, something that, is found in nature and your body can metabolize. And so we don't have any reports or evidence that over a longer time period, there's been any negative or detrimental effects. Um, so the nice thing is that it, it is all natural and it is a product that your body is built to metabolize. And so we don't know of any negative effects um, from taking the product on a daily basis. And there's certainly no negative effects from taking, you know, three or four capsules over the course of, you know, four or five hours. Gotcha. Okay. We're talking about, it's interesting because we're actually talking about a very low dose of these beta lanes that are bioavailable. So in each capsule, there's 12.5 milligrams of beta lanes, which okay. that's a very small amount of material to see an effect mm -hmm. like this. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. That's good to know. Um, well, let's talk about some criticisms, if you will. I mean, I, um, I feel like, uh, just in terms of balancing this out and, and taking my bias away from this, um, is kind of coming back to what I know or what, uh, what we know a lot in research with some of the beetroot products is, it seems like for elite athletes or somebody who is perpetuated with, um, beat supplementation, um, there may be a point or just individuals that don't respond 
to beetroot product is betaline the same thing in that regard? Responders versus non-responders? That's an interesting question because it's not something that's talked about very often, but I don't know of any product, whether it's a supplement or a drug where, you know, a hundred percent of the people respond. And it's not something you hear too much about um, when people are talking about their clinical studies um, or whether, whether it's a drug or a supplement, but there's always people who respond and there's always people who don't respond. And it's it just depends on how your body's built and what it's built for. And so it's it's always important to remember with any supplement that whatever claims are made and whatever slick marketing there is, um, you may or may not respond to it. So just just because uh, you read the results, um, everyone is not a responder to everything. And that and that's really good to keep in mind. So there are people who respond very well uh, the first time they take it. And we do get people who report like, hey, you know, I just I just don't feel anything when I take this product. And so uh, we always have to acknowledge that there's going to be not responders and non-responders to to every product out there. Sure. And is there any, uh, have you heard or seen this in the research, any sort of plateau with betalines, like meaning, okay, I've taken this for, I don't know, three months, I've taken this for three years now, or, and I'm not feeling the effects anymore. Any cycling in and out of this product that, that is necessary? We haven't seen any of that. Um, I've been taking it myself for probably the last 10 years. And again, um, I don't know what would happen if you took, you know, four capsules a day, every day, (laughs) maybe, maybe you would build up a a tolerance or maybe your body wouldn't respond anymore. I'm not sure. But I mean, the, the typical athlete that's using alt red is, is really taking it, you know, probably on average every other day, there might be a few people who take it every day for their training. Um, or they wait until they do their longer weekend rides, something like that. So uh, we haven't noticed anybody coming back and saying, hey, this used to work for me and it doesn't work anymore. Gotcha. Okay. But we've, well, never, we've never studied that in a, in a clinical study. So, Okay. Yeah, good to know. Um, so my last critis- critical question is if you're – one of our listeners right now, and, and, and you may be thinking, well, this sounds too good to be true. Jeff, what what would you say to that listener that's like, eh, I'm a little skeptical here? If it sounds too good to be true, it is. Um, <laughs> there's no magic pill. There's no substitute for putting in the work, eating well, sleeping well, you know, everything you need to do to perform. So you need to view Alt Red as a training tool. Uh, something that'll assist you in your training, depending what your goals are. You have to consider whether you're, like you said, a responder or not responder. And uh, so many people report that it helps them train at a high level and a higher level and able to push themselves further than they would be able to push themselves without it. Uh, But all you really can do is put it to the test. And and like we said, there might be people who respond super well and others who don't respond at all. But it, there's no magic in a pill and there's no way around the hard work and proper nutrition and sleep. So if it sounds too good to be true, it is. Man, I'm really glad you said that because it, 
I've had really good days taking this stuff, but I've had really good days not taking this stuff. And in particular, there's one hard training day where it's like I had a couple of hard training days in a row. I didn't sleep too good those days. I went out for another hard group ride. I did some alt red. And I was like, man, there like there is no amount of alt red <laughs> or, or amp human PR lotion or whatever that can like pull me out of this funk right now. And it's just like, right, know. right, right. So fatigue still occurs. We still have limitations. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Wow. So we went on a pretty deep dive here with alt red. Uh, Jeff, do we still have some time to talk about your other product? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. Well, we'll probably skim a little bit more high level on this just in the nature of time, but I think for our listeners, it'll be good and informative to hear about uh, your immunity product. So could you tell us a bit more of what it is or perhaps like I'll read, maybe we start with what it isn't. Sure. Yeah. So this is a product called Sur Immunity. And uh, as you know, every living plant and animal undergoes oxidative stress during respiration. Um, This causes, you know, free radicals to be produced or unpaired electrons to be released. And they have to be neutralized by your body. And your body makes its own antioxidants to neutralize these as well as relies on exogenous or external antioxidants to help combat this. And so... Um, even, even during exercise, it's interesting, you know, your mitochondria, uh, really release a lot of free radicals. And I mean, without proper nutrition and a way to, um, you know, get rid of those free radicals in an efficient way, you lose a lot of efficiency, even in the powerhouses of your muscles due to oxidative stress during exercise. So real quick, Jeff. What does the free radicals or the unpaired electrons do? What is the negative that we're talking about? So basically, they damage cells. They cause inflammation. They stop enzymatic reactions from happening. So, I mean, if we go back to to athletes, mitochondria, they -hmm. produce ATP. That's where we get our our power from. That's our energy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as soon as you have, you know, free radicals, uh, produced in the mitochondria, if they're not removed immediately, I mean, basically your ATPase doesn't work properly. And right. so you can't actually even convert an ATP as fast as you did before. Right. And so it's basically like bad exhaust coming out of a, you know, That's gas- gasoline burning engine. And uh, you don't want it being pumped right back into the the cab of the car because everybody's going to die. So it, it, you have to get rid of the exhaust and neutralize it as fast as it's produced. Good analogy. So, uh, all right. So good lesson on, uh, uh, free radicals and, and what happens there. So what does, what does immunity do for us? So immunity, it's interesting. Um, we, we spent a lot of time looking at this treasure trove of phytochemicals. And one of the things that we kept running into in our discovery research was that if we start out with a small amount of a phytochemical, it was had really strong antioxidant properties. And as we increase the dosage of that phytochemical, you know, it, that activity decreased pretty quickly. And once we got over a certain threshold, every single one of these antioxidants turned into a pro-oxidant. And so 
you know, an overdose of antioxidants, what's touted to be healthy, uh, actually turns into a prooxidant and causes your body to produce free radicals. <laughs> and this happens over and over again in everything that we study. So, I mean, it, it might be just the society we live in, but, you know, if a little is good, more is better. And actually, the way nature intended things to be, a little bit of a lot of different phytochemicals in this case is very effective. But a, a large dose of all these different phytochemicals or any one, actually, it's even worse if you pick one in particular. That's that's the worst scenario. Um, really? It actually becomes a, a prooxidant. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's how we got started in this. Yeah, that's interesting. But, I, but I, I, I say on a very regular basis, like everything is bell curves and thresholds. There's, right. There's always some sort of tipping point. Right. Always. Okay, so you jo you dove into the treasure troves. You found this bell curve or this threshold aspect of antioxidants and prooxidants. So, how did you decide what goes in immunity, what is in immunity, and why do you why did you decide to produce it? Yes, yeah, so we wanted a broad spectrum of different phytochemicals. Um, so we really knew that a small amount of each of these phytochemicals is important and a large dose is detrimental. And so we did a, a process of screening uh, different plant-based phytochemicals for their ability um, to attack different groups of free radicals. There's quite a bit of different groups of free radicals that you can look at. And so we found the strongest ones that were effective at the lowest doses. And then what we did is, um, you know, there's, there's very few antioxidants that have actually been tested, none that I know of, uh, for their actual activity in real time in people. So normally an antioxidant is viewed as it has the potential. So it's kind of a test tube test. You take a, you take a product, vitamin C, you put it in yeah, a test tube, good. and you could see what its potential antioxidant uh, free radical quenching ability would be if you absorbed it all and it actually worked in your body. Mm -hmm. But nobody ever did a study where they were looking at the, the actual level of free radicals in real time after you take a product. So we uh, did some experiments with these individual phytochemicals and tried to find the minimum effective dose of these different phytochemicals. Then we combined these and actually studied these in people in real time and the results were pretty profound. And these, this is a small dosage of, you know, it's a little over 400 different phytochemicals in there. And the ability to um, affect the level of free radicals in the body in real time uh, was really strong. And so we saw, you know, a 20% reduction in reactive oxygen species in the blood after people yeah. consume this product. A 34% reduction in inflammatory response after they took the product, and a 42% reduction in mitochondrial react reactive oxygen species. And so um, it was a pretty dramatic effect with a very low dose of a wide variety of different plant polyphenols. These are all polyphenols, mm -hmm. and uh, their ability to work in concert kind of like the way nature intended. I mean, eating a little bit of a lot of different things, um, grazing all day long. Yeah. I was just about to ask, I mean, I am not an expert 
in phytochemicals, uh, nor do I claim <laughs> pose myself to be. But from what I understand of, of reading, this is several years ago from phytochemicals. It is not even, and you alluded to this, it's not one, it can be multiple and many, but it's also the synergy of them together. Right. Is that correct? That's correct. So, you know, if the only thing you eat is, you know, rabbits, you're probably not going to be healthy. If the only thing you eat is spinach, um, you're probably not going to be very healthy. I mean, you yeah. need a variety right. 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 of right. different nutrition and different phytochemicals. And why would they be in all these plants, you know? Well, mm -hmm. the reason is because we need a lot of different ones, not all the same one every day, and certainly not necessarily, you know, a hyper-concentrated one. Yeah. So curiosity questions and perhaps some criticisms here on, on immunity. Who did you, who did you develop the product for? What type of person or athlete? Mm -hmm. So we developed this product actually for a general population. And so when we studied it, we studied it on healthy people. We studied it on people that had kind of syndrome X or metabolic syndrome um, to see, you know, what the results would be. And so in, in this particular study that I'm talking about here, this was not done on athletes. This was done on a general population where they take one capsule in the morning and one in the evening. And it, it showed in real time how it, reduced the, uh, you know, reaction oxygen species load in their body. But, um, you know, as, as we know, um, engaging in regular exercise has a lot of health benefits, right. Uh, reduced right. risk of heart disease, improved mood, stronger bones, better blood flow. But when it and comes to training, yeah, you know, athletes, there is a detrimental effect, uh, if you can't, actually balance this free radical load. Right, right. And I was just about to say, I mean, athletes, as we train, I mean, some of the stress and response signaling does allow us to, uh, to get rid of those free radicals a little bit better. So our body is equipped to do that as well, even though we need these, you know, exogenous materials to help us with that. Right. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. Um, and so this similar to alt red is a catalyst in order to, to achieve that seems like. Correct. Correct. Okay. So is there, so for athletes in particular, um, is there any athletes that maybe would not benefit from this or as I'm looking at the 20% reduction in ROS, uh, 42% reduction in mitochondrial RS, is there a time period where athletes should not be taking this? Again, this is, uh, it's really the spectrum of different uh, phytochemicals that are helping just balance what we would say balance or have a healthy um, antioxidant free radical homeostasis needed for good health and performance gains. I mean, one of the things you see is that, you know, the more you stress your body out, um, the more chance you have to be sick and and catch mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. and Absolutely. start to get run down. So anything you could do as kind of a maintenance baseline level of healthy phytochemicals that are going to balance your free radical antioxidant homeostasis, you know, is going to be beneficial. And again, 
um, the more diverse your diet is, the more plant-based your diet is, you're going to have an advantage. Um, and, and so a lot of it depends what, what your diet is and how well you eat and that kind of thing too, how well you sleep. But this is, this is another way or another tool to manage that oxidative stress in addition to diet and sleep. Gotcha. And the reason I bring it up and you can, you can disagree with me or, or correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember, um, we used to work a lot with Dr. Stacy Sims and a lot of her recovery products when she created Osmo, um, was free of antioxidants and like extra stuff because, <laughs> because in, effectively initially after exercise, we want to get some carbohydrate in, we want to get some protein and some hydration. That's it. Right. Correct. Then let the, uh, the you know, if you're going to eat an antioxidants and you should eat antioxidants, I'm not saying that, but the timing of it is actually important. Don't, you know, don't chalk yourself full of antioxidant stuff post-workout right away. Mm -hmm. So I would say probably don't take this with your recovery smoothie post-workout. No, that's okay. why we recommend just take okay. one capsule in the morning when you get out of bed and one yeah. before you go to bed at night. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. And if you exercise in the morning, if you train in the morning, would you, is it cool to take one of these before you work out? Uh, I think it's better to take it before than after, mm -hmm. but, uh, I would agree with that. Yeah. You, yeah, it's really individual. I can't, I can't say across the board, what would be the best plan? <laughs> Again, it kind of depends might be splitting on hairs there. Your, your own goals. Yeah. 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 Might be splitting hairs there, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah. And in, in overall, I mean, it sounds, sounds like an incredible product for sure. And, uh, I am, I'm curious to, to learn a bit more. I, I will be frank with everybody here. I have not read these studies that he has sent over, but with the alt red and with the immunity, I will link to, um, all of these clinical, uh, research articles in our show notes afterwards. So, uh, Jeff, I'll, I'll get those, especially the immunity from you before we, before we wrap. All right. So bef before we go, I do want to talk about safety and quality because, you know, more and more athletes are not only wanting to know, you know, what they're putting into their bodies, but they want to know where it's coming from, how it's made, the quality of it, and any other environmental considerations. So, you know, Jeff, for those say, you know, professional Olympic bound athletes that are listening to this and they're like, eh, I don't want you saw knocking on my door. Or if you, if you're the, you know, the weekend warrior, that's like, well, cool. But like, I want to know where this stuff is coming from. What can you say to those athletes that are curious about the product, but maybe have some hesitation on where this is coming from? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fair question. Um, for our products um, that we're producing, this product's actually produced at our FutureCeuticals facility. Um, everything is obviously GMP, FDA inspected, every kind of quality certification. But in addition to that, uh, we have third-party certifications specifically for athletes. So all of these products are NSF certified, uh, safe for sport. And so every single batch that we produce has to be tested for every single banned substance in the world. And so it's pretty extensive testing protocol that each lot of material has to go through. And it not only... Uh, uh, you know, protects us. But I mean, even if we, for example, buy capsules to put the product mm -hmm. in, I mean, 
we might know that our product is safe, but what about the capsule? What about the bottle? What about the little piece of cotton that goes into the bottle? You know, there's just no way <laughs> to guarantee that it's actually free of banned substances unless you test the finished product for banned substances. So we, we even here could do a, a perfect job and we'll be like, of course we couldn't have a, you know, contaminant in the product, but we're not in control of capsule production. And mm-hmm. how do you know for sure? Uh, if there's some kind of cross-contamination or, you know, and then we also do a second uh, certification, which is informed sport. And uh, that's, that's a similar certification. So we kind of have two certified certifying bodies that we use um, and have a dual certification to make sure that it's safe for any athlete. And then as far as sourcing the material, that's also another very important thing. And so the source of all of our raw materials, we have a very strict quality approval process for every supplier of every ingredient that we make here at Futureceuticals. And so um, every supplier is audited, visited. Um, We have to understand everything about their production process. Um, the quality of the company, the quality of the people, you obviously have to trust your partners implicitly. And so um, that's something that's very important to us is to really have relationships with the suppliers we have and understand everything about their business and and their values. Because um, without trust and uh, knowing where the product's actually coming from, uh, you could be told anything. And it may not end up to be true. That's exactly it, which is why I wanted to ask the question because it does seem like, especially in this space of any you know supplement of sorts, it's just many people can get in the game very easily and it is uh, not so easily known where the stuff is coming from. So I'm glad to hear that you've taken that, that extra, not only step, the extra mile um, in order to do that. And you've, you, you know, you've been in this industry for a year. I mean, you, literally generations not only years yeah so yeah so that's that's good good to hear we've kind of seen it all and uh, some of it's not good yeah yes exactly exactly well you know like i said in my intro it's you know this is a this is a different style of podcast i think than i've that i've done before uh, you know talking about a product um you know in the end that's what we did we talked about two products uh but i i hope what our listeners learned was you know a lot of science and a lot of why and a lot of understanding of how betalines are you know separate from beetroot in particular and how you know alt red and betalines can help in their pursuit of endurance performance and so I, I certainly learned a lot as well and you know our listeners are addicted to in, improving themselves in every facet of the way but if, if you could maybe summarize the, you know your key points of what you want our listeners to glean from this conversation jeff what how would you summarize our conversation today yeah i would summarize it by saying that um you know we're here to help athletes on their journey with pure studied efficacious supplements um i would challenge anybody who wants to uh, test this product out for themselves to try it. And uh, a vast majority of the people that uh, take this product are believers. And so 
uh, it may may not work for you, but it works for a lot of people with pretty dramatic results. Um, don't believe everything you read and that's marketed to you. Uh, <laughs> I guess I would say that. And uh, nothing, no supplement will make up for hard work, good diet, enough sleep. You know, it won't make it any easier. Although, although your sleep never might come down. It might feel easier, <laughs> and hopefully, you do go a lot faster. So that's right. That's right. Well, great, Jeff. Uh, thank you so much for for taking time. Uh, if, you know, if our listeners want to uh, check out your um, Alt Red or Immunity, uh, should we send them over to the website? And, and what is that? Yeah, the website is sur. dot co. S u r. dot c o. Pretty simple, sir. Co. And I will link to that in our show notes as well. And on the socials, uh, you guys are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And uh, for those Strava members, I think uh, you've got a Strava club as well, right, Jeff? We do. We do. Okay. Okay. Well, I will link to that. Any, any um, since we are recording, timestamping this just before Thanksgiving, is there any uh, Sir challenges uh, just before the weekend? There's no, there's no Thanksgiving Sir challenges this year. We will have a Strava challenge coming out soon, but uh, no, no, no challenges right now. Okay. Well, I will link to all that, including the clinical research and, uh, please go check them out. I, I think it's, I think it's worthwhile, but, uh, Jeff, thank you so much again for taking your time to help educate us on beta leans and blood flow and all the cool stuff. My pleasure. Thanks, Adam. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this week on the train, right? Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to visit our website at trainright.com forward slash podcast, where you can find social links, bonus content, and more about CTS. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a show and leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next time, train hard, train smart, train right.